welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew. We are in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. We are the second part of a sermon series on miracles. And today we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture where God's going to teach us and show to us, make it very clear to us, that how we respond to Jesus, how we respond to God's work in our life, is very important. There's an appropriate way to respond. And that doesn't just apply to the Lord. It also applies to to everything. I mean, think about it. Let's look at the two extremes most recently. You know what, I, I don't really watch Oscars, but I, ha- I saw the replays of it uh, a few weeks ago, a month or so ago, but there's this guy named Chris Rock, he was the announcer, he cracked a joke on Will Smith's wife, what does Will Smith do? He gets out of his seat and goes and slaps Chris Rock on live TV in front of everybody right there. I mean, that's a, that's a little on the ex- one extreme side. You know, I'm not the happiest guy, I'll just stand up and beat him up during the service. I mean, that's, um, that is one extreme of response but then there's another extreme too and i'll tell you for the most part a lot of us we're going to find ourselves on this other extreme and this other extreme is what i call the uh, the sin of indifference that would that would be a massive not just criticism but that would actually be taking action and beating someone up but the the sin of indifference is when we hear something we don't like or God speaks to you about something. And your response is, uh, I think I'll press the mute button. Do you know on Facebook you can unfollow people? That means you're still friends with them. You just don't see anything they post. And then if you want to go, go to the next level, you can unfriend them. And then if they ever look you up, go, I didn't realize I'd be not, it wasn't their friend anymore. But then you're thinking, I don't like this person at all. I'm going to block them. Just go all the way out. Then it's like they don't exist anymore. You can just go about your life. And we call that cancel culture, where what you do is you cancel people that you don't agree with their message, you don't want to hear that, you don't want to see that type of stuff, and you just mute it from your life. And I want to tell you, it's very easy, and our culture makes it very easy to respond with indifference. Basically, I don't really like you, I don't really care what you have to say, I've got every little tool to put you out and remove you from my life. And that's what we're about to see here in the Bible. Jesus is preaching, and he spent three years of his ministry in a region called Galilee. That's next to the Sea of Galilee. It's in the little, his, he grew up in Nazareth. Then when he was 30, he moved over near the Sea of Galilee through to a little town called Capernaum. That was his ministry base for three years. And for three years, he would go around the community in Galilee, teaching, healing, and proclaiming the gospel. And what the passage, what we see here, is these towns that he was regularly familiar with, they did not respond appropriately to the gospel. And in your life and in my life, God convicts us of sin. He stirs our hearts. He places a burden on our heart. And I was talking to the Leisure family 
Devin told me they felt the Lord leading them to move to South Carolina. The Lord leads us. God raised up Moses to lead them to the promised land. God has led you to Broadway Baptist Church. He's led you in this season to Lexington. And then one day, you know, this is the most transitional city. Everybody meet in this town. You can, it's very hard to meet somebody anymore that grew up and were born and raised in Lexington. Very few Lexingtonians are in this town. Everybody here is like they're just passing through. They come through for a few years, and I believe that's absolutely the Lord's will. God brings you to a community not to make lots of money or run wild and go party. It's to serve and grow closer to Him. He brought you here for educational purpose, for job, for service, whatever the reason. But it's, it's, there's a greater purpose that you know the Lord. Right, let's be truth. Who actually, be truthful now, born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky? Now, not, not move here when you're five. Not, not, not I came here for college and never left. Who was born in this town and has lived here ever since? Four, oh, Georgia lived in Hawaii. Four, three people. Do you see that? Do you see how few? And here, Jesus, he's going to basically his hometown communities that he grew up nearby, and they rejected that message. Now listen, one of the dangers of living in a, a city like Lexington, you know, this is, we're not in small town Kentucky right here. This isn't rural Alabama. This isn't, this isn't country Georgia where I used to live. We are in a community that if you want to find trouble, there's plenty of trouble in this city. You can find yourself with all sorts of crazy beliefs and wrong things to get involved in. And every wrong belief out there is, exists right here in this town. And if we, you or I aren't careful, when you live in a city, maybe like Lexington, that can have different viewpoints than what the Bible says, it's easy in your life and in your job and your school for those, for those attitudes and beliefs to creep into your life. And all of a sudden, that passion and fire for biblical Christianity, for a desire to serve the Lord and to live according to the Bible, it, it dr it's drowned out. It all of a sudden, it, uh, it's, it's muted, it's canceled. It doesn't have the impact that it used to have. So that's what we're about to see here. Turn to your Bibles. Matthew chapter 11, verse 16. To what should I compare this generation? So think about Jesus saying this to us. What should I compare the generation of 2022? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to other children. So now, now children understand this. A child knows many ways they can respond better than adults can. If you crack a joke in children's church, the children actually laugh. You all don't laugh at jokes. If you say a silly story, they will laugh at it. Like they know on cue what to do. If you hurt them, they cry. If you don't even give them candy, they cry. I mean, they, they have their emotional reactions to a child is much uh, more expressive, many ways, than adults. Children know if you, want, you put a bunch of children in a service, 
they're going to act good, silly. They're just children. They're going to wiggle. They're going to roll on the ground. They're going to run away. I mean, it's what, what they do. We all did that when we were little people at church. I mean, that's, that's the life of a child. But Jesus is going to use children as an example to say, these are some children who should be responding appropriately. And they're not. And he's saying, that's how you all are. Look what he says in verse 17. We played the flute for you, but you don't dance. That means when you hear the celebration music, you didn't respond. If there's dancing music, the children should dance, but they didn't. They were stoic. We sing a lament. Say, what's a lament? A lament is a song of sadness. This would be something you would hear at a funeral. This would be something you should cry. You should mourn. And he says, we sang this song of sadness, a lament, but you didn't mourn. So whether it was joy dance music or it was funeral music, like yours sticks on a log, like stumps on a log, there's no response. Y'all didn't do the right thing. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I came about doing miracles, calling you to turn to the Lord, to repent of your sins, and you failed to do it. So in our personal lives, God, He moves in our life. He convicts us of sin. He leads us in certain conversations. He leads us to the people we should marry. He leads us to the church we should attend. And He expects at some point, you need to respond. We close every single worship service, what we call invitation. But I think a better word for that is a time of response. We respond to God. When you get saved, you walk an aisle and say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Jesus calls us to follow him. Following Jesus starts with the center aisle right here. Say, I'm going I'm to walk this aisle and begin a life of following Jesus. How can you be a follower of Jesus out there if you're embarrassed to follow him in here among other Christians? This is the easiest place to follow Jesus. And if you can't do it here, how on earth are you going to be at Jesse Clark Middle School following Jesus? Do you all see? That's, this, is, this is what the Lord's saying. There's an appropriate response to what Jesus is doing in your life. Now look at this. Here's the example of John the Baptist. At the beginning of this chapter, he, he was talking about John the Baptist. He said, for John came, neither eating nor drinking. And they said, he has a demon. So John the Baptist, he's a devout religious man. This is Jesus' cousin. He's paving the way for the Messiah. And they look at him. He's faithful to the Lord. And they say, well, he's de demon-possessed. That, that was the criticism John was receiving. So then, verse 19, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, he comes along eating and drinking. And look what they accused him of. They said, Jesus, you're a glutton. And a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. What an insult. Jesus came, and he was eating and drinking, meaning he was ushering in and living a full life just like everybody else. And I said, this is a drunk. This guy here, is, he's a glutton. He's a friend of sinners. What Jesus is saying, it didn't matter if you were holy like John, and J John never once touched alcohol. He took the Nazarite vow according to the book of Numbers. 
And then Jesus, he turned water into wine. He, he, turned, he performed miracles. And, and they called him this. They called him a friend of tax collectors and a drunkard. And they called John demon-possessed. Meaning it didn't matter what I did. You rejected the message. They used criticism. They responded to Jesus as a critic. Listen, it is wrong for us to go around evaluating messengers from the Lord. It's bad to speak about other churches, other pastors. You don't know what's going on in their heart. You don't know what's going on at that church. You weren't there in that situation. Sometimes we can find ourselves becoming just, even in the church life, spiritual life, critics of other people. Think about it. God anoints and ordains and calls a pastor to a church. When you fail to listen to that and you shoot God's messenger, you're basically saying, God, I know better. I don't want to listen to this man. God anoints and ordains and calls a youth pastor. Teenagers, when you play on your phone and go, I don't want to listen to anything the youth pastor's saying, you're basically rejecting whom God has sent. You have a Sunday school teacher that shows up prepared to teach you a message from the Lord when you say, I don't even want to go to Sunday school. I don't even care what they say. I don't even like the guy or gal. You're basically saying, God, I know better. That is what's going on. When we reject the messenger, we are rejecting the Lord. That, Jesus is saying, is wrong. He said at the very end of verse 19, he says, me and John the Baptist, we were rejected. But it says here, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Wisdom is vindicated means the wise are actually proved. Those who have wisdom are proved by their deeds. I want to read a Bible verse. Don't turn there. It's up on the screen. It's in James chapter 2. It speaks of this. God's Word tells us, James chapter 2, verse 26. For just as the body without the Spirit is dead, meaning we're not talking about the Holy Spirit here. He's talking about your life. We have a heartbeat, we're breathing, we have oxygen, we're alive. If you don't have those items, you're dead. So in our spiritual life, our faith, our faith is what saves us in Jesus Christ. We believe in Jesus, we believe God, we believe Jesus was resurrected for our sins, he died on the cross, but if, we, if our life, our works, if our lifestyle does not whatsoever line up and match up with what we say, our faith is dead. There's no faith. Because the person who actually believes in Jesus is going to have a lifestyle that is going to match up with it. You're not going to see a born-again believer who has the Holy Spirit living inside of them that has zero interest in the things of the Lord. People who love the Lord people who love Jesus, people who see the miracle of salvation, the miracle of believers' baptism, children giving their life and turning to the Lord, people who are healed, prayers being answered. You know, when you pray a prayer and God answers that prayer, we should, you should rejoice. 
You should praise the Lord. That's confirmation. The Lord heard your request. He did what you asked. He brought you through that season. Keep going here in your Bible. Verse 20. Now he's about to talk about some towns. Now think about our town. He's about to denounce some towns because the towns as a whole did not respond. And this is one of the dangers of living in a place, living in a place like Lexington. Do y'all know where I lived in Georgia? I used to go to the local elementary school, which was across the street from our um, church. And I knew the principal. I knew all the teachers. I don't think they did the background check. They just knew that was Pastor Dan across the street. I led that school in prayer. Like, and we didn't go to jail. We weren't in the news. Like, that was just regular. Like, there was no, nobody even thought twice about it. That was only a few, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. I have yet to pray. I haven't even been asked to pray anywhere publicly in Lexington. Do you all see the difference? I once went at the Noonan, Coweta County, where I live, City Hall, they would have a commissioner's meeting. They had guest preachers come in and give what they call an invocation, which is an opening prayer. I don't know if they do that in City Hall downtown here. You see, the culture can be different from one community, maybe here in Lexington, versus small town rural Georgia over here. And if we aren't careful, that, that city life, the culture of Fayette County, can hurt our lives spiritually because it can rub off on you and on your attitude. And Jesus is warning us this morning, don't. Let it happen. You stand firm for the Lord, whether you're in the country, whether you're in Lexington, or if you're in downtown New York City. We are committed to Christ no matter where we go, no matter what situation. And look at these towns that heard the Son of God walking with them, and they did not respond appropriately. Verse 20, then he proceeded to denounce the towns where most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. I mean, they didn't, they didn't, they heard the message, you go, eh, he's demon-possessed, he's a drunk, and then they just walk out. Woe to you, Corinzen, woe to you, Bethsaida. You know Bethsaida, that's where Peter was from. He's the leader of, of all the disciples. And that's where his brother Andrew was from as well. And Philip was there. Three out of twelve disciples. One-fourth of all the disciples came from Bethsaida. And right there, Jesus condemned that town for failing to respond to the gospel. Jesus went to Bethsaida, preached, and the people yawned and moved on. At least three of them became disciples. But they did not respond. For if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon. Those were cities outside of Galilee, outside of the Israel, along the coast there. They would be the, is the Galileans, the people there, would look over there at Tyre and say those were wicked towns. But look what Jesus says. If they had, the miracles were done, you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes long ago. I mean, they just didn't have an opportunity. But if they had, they would have. But I tell you, it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon 
on the day of judgment for you and you, Capernaum. Capernaum, this is where Jesus' ministry headquarters. This is where Peter's mother lived, and, and, and Peter and Jesus went there and healed his, his mother. She rose running a fever. Jesus preached at the local synagogue in Capernaum. He drove out demons in Capernaum. It says there, in you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will go down to Hades. That is hell. For if the miracles that were done and what had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until today. So, he makes a contrast with Sodom. He says the people in Sodom, that was in Genesis 19 in chapter 18 and chapter 19. What was Sodom and Gomorrah known for? Sodom and Gomorrah received uh, raining uh, sulfur from heaven, from the Lord, to destroy their town. Both those cities were destroyed. Why were they destroyed? Because they practiced homosexuality. The men were having sexual relations with one another. God sent two angels into that city, and the men of the city were trying to break down the door to rape the guest angels. And the, the angels blinded the men, rescued Lot and his family. Lot's wife was leaving, but she loved the city so much, she looked back and became a pillar of salt. Jesus is saying, and we, we always make fun of Sodom and Gomorrah and saying those were wicked cities back then. Jesus is saying, it's so, it's so immoral today that even Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented. Because where the Son of God was walking around, the presence of the Lord, Capernaum just yawned when they saw Jesus. They weren't interested. They had a more hardened heart than a, such a city as Sodom. And I want to tell you, we have to guard against that as well. We want to make sure that we haven't begun to respond just like the people of Capernaum, just like the people of Chorazin, just like the people of Bethsaida. Jesus is there among those people, and they aren't responding appropriately. Look at this last verse. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Could you ever imagine that you today live in a worse city than Sodom and Gomorrah? And Jesus is telling us, you do. Because when you do not respond to the gospel, when you respond with criticism or you respond with indifference, you are essentially saying, God, I'm not interested. I, I don't even want to hear it. No, thank you. And the illustration he gave, it's like little children. The dance music comes on, and they don't stand up and dance. They just sit there, stoic. They go to a funeral. They don't cry. They just play on their iPhones. They have no interest. And God looks at us and goes, if this is your life, a life of non-response is not a life worthy of kingdom citizenship. Meaning, these people aren't saved. How we respond to the gospel determines not whether or not our faith is alive. 
I'm going to read this final Bible verse because this story is also told in the book of, in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 10, verse 16, it tells us here. You don't need to turn there, it's up on the screen. He sums up this entire same story he also told in Matthew about these little towns. But then he makes a statement, and we need to take heed of this statement. Jesus says, whoever listens to you listens to me. Meaning God has raised up people, pastors, youth pastors, children's directors, Sunday school teachers, leaders, spiritual leaders in your life whom God has sent, anointed, and ordained with the message of the gospel for you to hear from the Lord. And when you reject that message, folks, you're not rejecting the messenger. You don't shoot the messenger. He or she's bringing the message. Who are you killing? Look at this. Whoever rejects you rejects me. This is Jesus speaking. And whoever rejects me, meaning Jesus, rejects the one when you sent me. When you sit in church and say, church is boring. I want to play on my phone. I don't even want to be here. There's other priorities in my life. You are actually insulting God the Father in heaven. That's what you're doing. God the Father is offended at how dare you would say such. You who are dependent upon your salvation for the Lord to go to heaven have totally tuned out and lost interest of the things of God. The dangers of miracles is you respond to them with indifference. Jesus walked around town and he was doing the miraculous. The danger of answered prayer, maybe the reason God doesn't answer more prayer, is because he knows how you'll respond. When you just yawn and go, well, it's about time. What took so long, God? And it was a miracle. Maybe the reason we don't experience healings and we don't see more soaked saved and you don't see your family uh, drawing close to the Lord is because of the way you respond. Jesus came about teaching and preaching and they looked at him and says, you're a glutton and a drunk. John the Baptist comes preaching the gospel, fasting, doesn't even drink alcohol. And they look at him and go, well, he's clearly demon-possessed. Our response to Jesus matters. Our response to the, the miraculous, it matters. And this morning, the Lord is speaking and calling you. You've been presented with the gospel God is convicting you. He tells you what to do. You know what you need to do. And God is now saying, what are you going to do about it? Let me tell you something. If God lays a burden on your heart, you need to act on that burden. What is a burden? We've talked about this before. A burden is someone who you brought, God brought you to mind. God this week brought someone to my mind I had actually forgotten about. And he wanted me to reach out to that person. Folks, I still haven't done it. And it's still on my mind. Folks, that's a burden. It's not going away. God's telling me, Daniel, you need to reach out to that person. Every day, Daniel, you need to, I mean, I'll be thinking about anything else. Daniel, you need to reach out to that person. You need to be praying for that person. You need to make a contact with that person. That's what a burden is. It's a desire in your heart 
that you know you need to do it. And the greatest burden God places on your heart is the burden to get saved. If you are here and you've never received God's grace of what He did on the cross and say, at this point in my life, I ask for forgiveness of sins and I trust that Jesus is my Savior. If you've never done that, God's speaking to you saying, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to get saved. And I want to tell you what happens when we constantly fail to respond to the gospel, we develop a hardened heart. And that's what happened to these cities. And that's what in many ways happened in our city here. If we've become hardened to the gospel. When you keep telling God, no, 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 eventually that voice of the Lord speaking to you, it gets quieter and quieter and quieter because you've gotten harder and harder and harder. Who's a heart? Who's in the whole Bible? One person was known who had more, heart, more of a hard heart than anyone else, and that was Pharaoh. He had a hard heart. He was not going to listen to the Lord. And he experienced ten plagues. He lost his son. There's no reason for you to go through life of plagues. You losing your children. You losing someone close to you because you failed to respond to the gospel. And I want to tell you, parents, next Sunday's Mother's Day. Moms, dads, if you don't bring your children to church, if they don't learn what's in this book, they will grow up and you will lose them. I promise you. This is why children in youth ministry is critical importance. Critical. Pharaoh lost his son on the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn. Do you know why he lost his son? He did not listen to what Moses, and all Moses was, was the messenger. That wasn't Moses speaking. That was God speaking. Moses was just a spokesman. And when you don't raise your children in the Word of God, in God's house, you will lose them. They'll be gone. The window closes. So yes, we respond to God. And if you don't respond now, at judgment, when we're standing before God, you definitely will respond because the Bible says every knee will bow. I'm going to invite our band to come forward. Beach, y'all come forward. We're going to have our time of response. I stand down front. This is what we're going to do. We're going to have our, our song of invitation, our song of response. If you want to come down front for prayer, if you want to come down front and join our church, if you want to come down front and say, I need to get saved, Zach and I stand down front, and you need to make it public. Remember, if you can't follow Jesus in the church house, you're not going to follow him in any other house or any other place in the city. To me, this is the easiest place to follow Jesus. We follow Jesus by responding to him. So we're going to stand up. I'm going to be standing up front. Zach, why don't you come forward? You're going to stand here right here next to me, and we're going to respond to the Lord this morning.